Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. What's up, guys? My name is Isaiah. I'm the worship pastor here at Big Church. Um, I would like to start our time today with a game. What do you guys say? So this game is called Hillsong or Love Song. The idea of this game is that we're going to flash a lyric to a song on the screen, and I'll ask for a show of hands for who thinks this lyric comes from a Hillsong song or Hillsong song or from a pop love song. Okay, it's that easy. Let's try this first one. I was lost in a moment till you caught my eye. So who here, show of hands, thinks that's a Hillsong lyric? Yes, okay. Who thinks it's a love song lyric? All right, let's see what we got. Glimmer in the dust, Hillsong. Oh, don't be so confident. Number two, love broke through the darkness and lifted me, and I know you'll never let me go. Who thinks Hillsong? Who thinks love song? Let's see it. Never let me go, Hillsong. Next. You held on tight to me because nothing's as it seems. I'm spinning out of control. Who thinks Hillsong? Oh, they're like, well, there's two in a row. I can't be doing in a row. <laughs> Who thinks love song? Let's see. Got some T-Swift Wonderland. I knew there was at least one person that would definitely get that in here. All right, next. I hear you. I know you're there. Closer now than my skin and bones could dare. A little rhyming in there that time. Okay, who thinks Hillsong? Yeah. Who thinks Love Song? Let's see. Closer than you know. Hillsong, these are getting kind of tough. All right, we got four more. Let's make these quick. Next. All of my hopes, all of my own words are all over, written on the signs, but you're on my road walking me home. Who thinks Hillsong? Who thinks Love Song? Let's see it. Ed Sheeran. Oh, he's getting a little spiritual. <laughs> Number six. But I wonder where were you when I was at my worst, down on my knees? Who thinks Hillsong? Yeah. Who thinks Love Song? Let's see. Maroon 5. Gotcha. All right, two more. Next. It's so cold out here in your wilderness. I want you to be my keeper. Oh, that's so sweet. Who thinks it's a love song? Uh, let's do Hillsong first and Love Song. Let's see. Adele. Ooh. Okay, last one. Let's see it. This love will see me soar. It's more than enough, and I need it because I've never known better, and I'll never know better. Who thinks Hillsong? And who thinks Love Song? <laughs> let's see it. Hillsong. We had to end on a Christian one. 
All right, great job, everyone. So uh, some of those were a little bit harder than you thought they might be, right? <clears throat> well, I'd like to begin today with a definition of worship that I've used in my time as a worship leader. Now, fair morning, warning, it's a bit wordy, but bear with me. We're going to dive into this together. So here's our definition. Worship is the expression of a relationship in which God the Father reveals himself and his love in Christ, and by his Holy Spirit administers grace, to which we respond in faith, gratitude, and obedience. Today, I'll be breaking down this definition into three clear points of what worship is, and I'll follow that up with three or with two short points of what worship is not. Let's begin with our first point. Worship is expressing a relationship. Well, what does that look like? I'm glad you asked. I express my relationship with my wife by asking her how her day was, checking in to see if there's anything that I can do to help her out. I express my relationship with my parents by driving to see them about once a month so that they can spend some quality time with us. And by us, I mean the grandkids. You guys know how that works. I express my relationship with my kids by taking time each day to play with them, change dirty diapers, cook food they probably won't eat, wake up at ungodly hours, Every morning, just because they randomly decided they got enough sleep, good thing they're cute, right? You see, expressing a relationship takes something. It takes intentionality. It calls for action. It's impossible to express a relationship with someone passively. It comes across as fake, as uninterested, as indifferent. Worship is the opposite of all these things. So how do you know if you even have a relationship with God? Not like a show up on Sunday relationship or even a show up on Sunday sometimes relationship, but a relationship where you can talk to each other every day, where you vent to him, tell him what's on your mind, where something can swell up inside of you and it makes you want to spill your heart out to him. Let me pose this question to you. What are you going to do to intentionally deepen your relationship with God today? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Now, moving on to the second thing that worship is. Worship is responding to a continual revelation. Within our relationship with God, there's this paradigm that we call revelation and response. What this means is that God <clears throat> initiates the relationship by revealing himself to us, and then we respond to that revelation in many different ways. Now, very rarely in time has he revealed his audible voice to humanity. For instance, you've got Paul on the road to Damascus. You've got Moses when he encountered the burning bush. But like I said, historically speaking, hearing God's audible voice is statistically very, very rare. The majority of Christians will live their entire lives without hearing God's audible voice. But we still experience him, right? And how do we experience him? It might be my... 
making some time to sit quietly and, and read his word, and he reveals something to us that we never noticed before. It might be when you go out of your way to help someone in need and come to find out that God was there the whole time. He was waiting to show you more of who he is. But may no, make no mistake, God always initiates it. Even if we are the ones making time to sit quietly, he's already been there waiting for us because he wants for us to get to know him better. So you see, we, we have this call and response relationship in music as well. You'll hear it even in the simplest of tunes. You've got, um, you got the call and the response. Or you've got the call And the response sounds similar. A great example of this uh, in the Bible is found in the book of Isaiah. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you're taking notes, the Greek meaning for Isaiah means the most handsome prophet. Uh, so if you guys can write that down, you're probably going to want to use it later on. If you don't hear anything, hear this. But anyways, chapter Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now here's the response. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Here we see a case in which God reveals himself to Isaiah in a vision. As God's presence filled the space in the form of smoke, Isaiah quickly has one response, and that is this. Oh God, wow, am I messed up. Not just me either, but the whole world I live in is so messed up too. Even just the tiniest glimpse of God completely wrecks me. But then we see one of these seraphim take a live hot coal from the altar and touch it to the lips of Isaiah. This cleanses Isaiah and it takes his sins away. And what is Isaiah's response to this atonement for his sins? It's here I am, send me. You see, in one with counter when one encounter with God, Isaiah is convicted, he is cleansed, and he is called. Let me say that again. In one encounter with God, he is convicted, he is cleansed, and he is called. When we come before the Lord in our worship, we should constantly find ourselves in this cycle. The process, the presence of God surrounding us it should convict us because comparing ourselves to the spotless lamb should be enough to reveal any of our own imperfections. And then we are cleansed by the grace of God through Jesus. Jesus stands in our place before his father so that when God looks to us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees our savior. And shortly after God, he calls out, whom shall I send? He's calling for us. He's always pulling us deeper, deeper, and deeper into his love. The Bible says, create in me a pure heart, O God, 
and renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's sing this together. Create in me a clean, create in clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. One more time, create in me, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew, and renew a right spirit Now, the third thing that worship is. Worship is faith, gratitude, and obedience. Even though we only have three words here, I believe that these three words will fully encompass what our response should look like. Let's start by defining what these words mean. So first we have faith. Faith is surrendering our trust and our doubts over to the one we believe has more control than we do. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Second, we have gratitude. Gratitude is finding peace and knowing that you are watched over, that you're protected, and you give thanks for that. And third, we have obedience. Obedience is taking action in the thing God wants and doesn't want us to do. You see, faith, gratitude, and obedience are natural reactions when we have encountered God. It's not something that we should feel like we even have to necessarily work on because the natural overflow of encountering God is to trust in him, to be grateful, and to obey what he wants from us. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that faith in something that you can't see isn't hard. I'm not saying that it isn't hard to be grateful if everything in your life isn't going your way. And I'm definitely not saying that it's easy to break a sinful habit even if God has revealed himself to you. But what I am saying is that once we encounter the true and living God in a real way, he gives us whatever we need in that moment to continue to worship him. A committed heart to worship is not spotless, but it does learn to rely on God so much that it could not keep its beat without his constant presence with us. Oh, my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. But every song must end. 
covered a lot about what worship is and how it looks, but I do feel like I want to hit on these two short things that, that worship is not. First, worship is not passive. We talked a little bit about this with our first point of what worship is, but let me be clear. You can't scroll through worship like you do on Facebook or Instagram while you're at your phone, while, while you're at school or work. Remember, worship takes action, and our action leads to participation. You see, when we meet here on Sunday mornings, this is our only chance during the whole week that our worship becomes corporate. The worship we participate in in church is uniquely done together. We are surrounded by like-minded people, and we should worship together, not in our own little personal worship bubble in your chair every week. Now listen. We've been out in the world all week long. When we meet together on Sunday morning, it should straighten us out. It should set us back on track. Don't let Sunday morning just pass you by. Let it be taken for granted. In the passage from Isaiah we read earlier, it said that there were seraphim that were calling out to one another. They were singing, and interesting enough, not to God. Listen to the language that's used. They were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. If they were singing to God, they would use the word your glory, but they're not. They're calling to each other. This gives us a model of what worship should look like when we meet in person, where there's community, there's oneness, there's this we're in this together mentality. It's not me worshiping, it's us worshiping. And lastly, Worship is not an entertainment show. It's not your favorite song, your favorite Bible verse, or your favorite preacher. So much of our world is consumer-based. You see it in the TV subscriptions, the concerts, the sporting events, the list goes on and on. They captivate us with bright lights, with loud music, anything that can heighten our senses. The church also uses entertainment, but we have one key ingredient that makes it so much more fulfilling the presence of God, and a community of believers to join together with. This is very important to recognize. Church is happening anytime we're together and God is with us. And when we meet together and sing, we're not worshiping something, we're worshiping someone. There's two different types of worship that you'll find in church. They are program worship and participatory worship. I had to try that word so many times in the mirror this week, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Program worship focuses on the best possible outcome. Even if it's done unintentionally, the goal of program worship is to please you. 
It's, too, it's easy to spot a program worship because the people just show up, they take it in, and they leave. There's no crowd participation, and nobody except for the pastors are seen running the service. <clears throat> it's also easy to spot program worship because it is naturally going to be critiqued. It's natural for people to judge the outcome of a performance because, after all, it's for them. How many times have you heard in the past month, man, that Avatar movie, it was good, but it wasn't as good as the first one. Or you've heard, man, did you see LeBron just broke that scoring record? How can you not say he's not the GOAT now? <laughs> we all do this with movies we watch, with concerts we go to. We have an opinion about what was good or bad, and the sole purpose of that kind of entertainment is to please us. All the negative feedback is viewed as a problem, and it must be fixed by the next one to better tend to you. Now, let's move on to participatory worship. This worship has God at the source of our meeting, not as the topic of our meeting. Sure, we may sing a song that has God's name in it or hear a message that's God-related, but it becomes participatory worship when the service is completely led by him and it's completely for him. This form of worship also turns the focus away from me, the consumer, and it turns to God as the focus. The question isn't, is the audience pleased anymore? It's, is God pleased? And the thing is, it's easy to please God. He wants nothing more than to have a relationship with us, and we go about that by worshiping him. My prayer for Big Church is that we will participate in worship each week, not just show up. I want to see a bunch of people who are constantly experiencing God and responding however they feel like they need to, week after week, month after month, and year after year. Question. Do you come to church hoping that you don't have to leave your chair the whole time? Were you more concerned about getting here early enough for the hot coffee bar than you were about experiencing the true and living God in this room this morning? Or how about the opposite? Maybe you're so concerned with everything in your life except for church that it's no longer a priority, or dare I say, never even has been. God is here, remember? He is in this room right now. How does that make you feel knowing that? Did you forget that we all do this for God, not for you? I don't mean to come across harshly, but I think we need to hear this. Remember, worship takes action. Worship doesn't start with us. It starts with God. All we're doing is responding to him. And one more thing. It's okay to have amazing and extravagant music. It's okay to have the big sounds, the full band, the lights behind us changing all sorts of colors, going in all sorts of directions. But where are your priorities? You all have heard of, you might be a redneck if, right? <clears throat> well, I want to do this little thing called, you might need a worship adjustment if, okay? You might need a worship adjustment if you can't worship unless the music is pounding. You might need a worship adjustment if the quality of your worship is swayed by how good or bad the drummer was or how great the voices and the harmonies blended together. Or you might need a worship adjustment if you just cannot have any kids in the room because they could potentially be distracting. I think this verse in Hebrews can help us with our worship adjustment. 
It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, not on the stage, the worship leader, the pastor. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For those of us who lead worship from the stage each week, our aim is not to get your hands raised. Our aim is to respond, everyone together, to God naturally. I'm going to demonstrate a few things that we encounter in worship that I want us to think about. First, you guys have heard this week after week, right? Comes on, swells in. It's so nice and clean and serene and angelic. But did God's presence come into the room when I started it and did it leave when I stopped it? No. He was here this whole time. He's been here this whole time. Next, a little movement. Well, there used to be a seat here. Now there's not. So I'm going to air seat it. Wait a minute. Come back up. All right. In my air seat, did God show up when I sat down and then leave when I showed up? No. He's been here this whole time. He wants relationship with us. And lastly, you guys probably all know this one. Um, <clears throat> so there was a song that we used to sing in college. This is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. And the next thing comes like this. Oh, this is a holy moment. You see, there's a lot more energy. The energy that builds in a song with an octave jump isn't the Holy Spirit working more or less. It's just what we're using in music to let our hearts open up to God. Does God just bust through the door when the worship leader has the sick octave jump or sits at the drums or plays a cool little thing on his green guitar that everyone likes? No. So, I would like for us to practice what we preach today. I want us to attempt to sing with one another, even to one another. So we have this simple song here. <clears throat> I'll sing it once, and then we're going to try to sing it together, okay? goes like this. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Great. Some of you guys are already singing. How about let's all stand up together? Now I'd like for the ladies to sing together. Okay? One, two, three, go. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. 
job. All right, next is going to be the men. I purposely put this in a key to where you don't have to sing too high. It's kind of your talking voice. Let's give it a shot together. What do you say? Two, three, four. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great job. Next, I want us to all sing this together. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.